Macworld Podcast number 378 for October 16th, 2013. Brought to you by Smile Software, makers of PDF Pen Scan Plus. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. Apple is holding an event next week, and when events such as these crop up, we're there for the before, during, and after. Today's episode definitely fits in the before slot. Let's give it a go. Apple has leaked details of an October 22nd event to the usual sources, which makes it a done deal as far as we're concerned. We're recording this before invitations are issued, but my best guess is that by the time you hear this, those invitations will have been scrutinized 17 ways to Sunday. And so why should we miss out on the prognosticating fun? And thanks to my guests, John Seff and Dan Frakes, we won't have to. Welcome, you two. Hi. Hi, Chris. So, Dan, let's start with you. Apple's done the iPhone event last September, and many of us have the results in our hands. So what's left for next week? Everything else, right? Is that a good enough segue into this podcast? Okay, podcast over. Yeah, I think that is. Um, Okay, well, let's start with the obvious stuff. So that would be the... The next iPad. I'm just drawing one of the many straws out of my hat here. Okay. So do you think they're going to be one iPad or two? Uh, I'm kind of mixed. I think for sure there's going to be a new full-size iPad. I think that we've seen too many leaks of iPad mini-looking full-size iPads. Um, they've got new processors now. There's new things they've, they've introduced in the iPhone 5S that I think might make its way in there, might make their way into a new iPad. So I think that's kind of a done deal. The, the bigger question for me is whether there's going to be a new iPad mini. Okay, so if there are, is a full-sized iPad, what could they add to this thing to make it compelling? Well, I think the first thing they'll do is, is and we've seen actually um, images of these, is that they're going to make it a little thinner, a little more in terms of design like the iPad mini, so more squared off edges, uh, thinner bezels. So it, it will look much like a, a big iPad mini. Does that make it a normal, I don't know, a, a full-size iPad <laughs> mini? Uh, but I think they're also going to, I think they will introduce the uh, A7 chip, the processor they put in the iPhone 5S. I think that will make its way into the iPad line as it has sort of the last few years. The iPad, or excuse me, the iPhone processor makes its way up. Um, I, I I would love to see the Touch ID fingerprint scanner. Let me tell you now, since I've had an iPhone 5S, unlocking my iPhone feels like a chore, or my iPad feels like a chore. I know that's a first mm-hmm. world problem, but... But I got to say, every time I unlock my iPad, I'm like, why do I have to enter a password? Uh, and so that would be nice. Um, I think a, a better camera is probably in the works. Um, and uh, I think we'll see the, the new colors of the iPhone 5S, the what is it, space gray? Right, space gray yeah. and uh, champagne. Champagne, gold, and sort of silver. Yeah. Uh, do you see any reason to put an M7 in there? You know, I, I, I'm sure they could do some cool stuff with it, but the the main reason they put it in the iPhone 5S are, A, it's a, it's a phone, so it's with you all the time. So the chances are you're going to mm-hmm. be using those location and motion uh, detectors a lot, and you're going to be doing things that you'll have the phone with you so you can take advantage of that. And the second is battery life. I mean, the main advantage to the M7 is that it takes all these positional and motion readings without severely affecting your battery life. And the iPad, uh, the full-size iPad, already gets like massive battery life. And so 
I, I don't I don't know if it makes as much sense. I think eventually we'll see it there. I just don't know if it makes sense yet. Um, so uh, I'm going to say no. Okay, so do you guys see any advantage in it being thinner, or is this just another design decision? I mean, Apple seems to have this fetish for making things thinner, and so they can and they do, but is there any particular advantage to doing that? Well, will it also be lighter? I mean, I think that's the, that's right. the advantage. Yeah, and the other you know talk has been about the bezels on the side being smaller, which doesn't increase the screen size itself, but it does make it look uh, somewhat bigger and reduces that that sort of excess on the sides and i've noticed that with the newer tv that i have where the bezel is really small you just really see the screen pop and so i think that that combined with the thinner lighter actually just it does uh, improve the design a bit yeah and and if you've used the ipad mini the full-size ipad right now just feels big and heavy it's it's mm-hmm. i mean it's it's not if you've never used a mini but once you felt the mini it's like wow this is big and heavy and and before the mini, a lot of people liked like the Nexus Seven, the Google Nexus Seven, because when you're sitting in bed at night, you know you, you, the, the iPad feels just kind of bulky. And so I think if they did make it thinner with smaller bezels, it, it, just the feel of it would be a little more appealing to people. All right. Well, speaking of the iPad Mini, do we see that as being another option? I think what a lot of people want is a Retina display on the thing, but is it going to hold enough battery to make that possible? Yeah, that's actually the mini is what I'm holding out hopes for because like Dan was talking about with uh, the iPad, the full-size one, you know, holding it in bed, it gets really heavy. I have a third-gen iPad right now, and when I'm reading with it, you know, you really can't hold it comfortably with one hand. It starts getting really heavy. It's just a little bit too big and thick for what I want, and I can say right now, if there is a new iPad mini, a Retina iPad mini, I'm getting one, and I'm kicking my third-gen iPad down to the kids immediately. And so that, you know, I think that's really where Apple needs to do something because, you know, the, the full size one can get a little bit thinner, a little bit lighter, get a little better processor. But the mini, it's only the first generation product so far, and they do have a lot of room to improve that. So, you know, the, the sort of rumors about it are all over the map. You know, is it going to have a retina display? Yes, no. Is it going to be available, you know, now or next year? Is it going to have the same A7 processor? as the full-size uh, iPad may have, yes, no. You know, I've seen so much stuff out there. So that, that one is kind of a little bit more of a mystery to me. But I think Apple really needs to refresh the Mini, and that's definitely going to happen. Whether it has all the bells and whistles, they need to do something with it. Well, I wonder, Dan, if, if it needs those bells and whistles, though, really. Because, I mean, if it doesn't have a Retina display, and it gives you the A7 processor and maybe fingerprint detection, is, is that enough? Well, let me say, I, I don't think it's going to get an A7 processor. I think that the Mini uh, is going to go with the, the same processor as the current full-size iPad now because that's what we've got with the, the, the original iPad Mini was the iPad 2's processor with sort of the other features of the iPad 4, the fourth-generation iPad. So it had a better camera and better you know, uh, front-side camera and et cetera. So I think we're going to continue that trend. I think that's one re- way that Apple's going to keep the cost down is give it the previous generation processor. So we'll see the A6 or whatever uh, from the iPad 4. Um, but I, I, like John said, I think that it's in need of an update. But I think Apple knows that if they release another iPad right now without an, uh, a Retina display, that people are just going to trash it. They're going to just talk about how it's Apple's not innovating and it's falling behind and you know blah, blah, blah. 
especially given that the the Nexus 7 now has a second generation model, which is actually pretty good and has some nice improvements. So, uh, w what I'm going to say is that if they can do the the Retina display now, we're going to see a new iPad Mini uh, next week. If not, then um, we're going to wait until it gets a Retina. I just I can't see them releasing an update to the iPad Mini without a Retina display at this point. Although I'm going to say that you know this is Apple's holiday lineup. September was the yeah. new iPhones, and these are going to be the new iPads. And if the holiday lineup really is just four, three new products and then last year's iPad mini, I think that that's going to have a it's, – it's going to have a negative impact on, on sales, but I think it's going to put a dent yeah. in Apple's, uh, you know, armor right now. And, and I, I could see maybe updating it with the better processor and the better camera – um, and then I, I saw a story today, and it actually said the next generation iPad Mini will be a fraction of a millimeter thicker, which would be to incorporate the battery that was necessary for the uh, for the the Retina screen. And I thought, if we're talking about fractions of millimeters here and actually and thicker, you know, it, it sort of shows how ridiculous a lot of this has become in terms of little specs here and there. You know, the thinner, lighter, faster. Um, but like with the the Retina iPad it got a little bit thicker to accommodate the battery and the screen. So if that were to happen, I could see the, the iPad mini being maybe a little bit bigger in that regard. Yeah, I think, I think you're right, John. I think if they do get in a retina display, it's going to be a little bit thicker. Yeah, and Dan, I think you make a really good point about what other people are doing in the tablet market, that now that you do have things like the Nexus next generation where people are looking at things, and the new Kindle as well, where the display does have a higher resolution I think it would look a little cheesy on Apple's part if they just said, hey, same display, but faster, because I don't think that's what people care about. I, I know I use my Mini occasionally, but not all the time because it isn't Retina. And if it were Retina, like you, I would pass the bigger one down. But the because I mainly use it for reading, it does bother me after coming from a Retina display. Well, and let me just tack on to that, in that I use my Nexus, or excuse me, my Nexus, Tablets, small tablets are all the same right now. Um, I use my iPad mini daily, multiple hours a day, and I and a lot of that is for reading. And I will say that that even though I, I also own a Nexus 7, I still pick the iPad mini despite its slightly inferior display because I just like the iPad better. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and, it, and the non-retina display was never bad enough that it made me not want to read on it. But iOS 7 has changed that. Uh, I, I have to say that the really thin type across the operating system and just the way that the OS was designed, it's really designed for a retina display. And you see this when you go from iOS 7 on a, on a fourth generation iPad and then go over to an iPad mini and you look at the same exact things, it's dramatically different. And I think that iOS 7 really just screams for a retina display. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that I've noticed that as well when I've gone to my mini running iOS 7 because everything is thinner. Apple likes thin and it is thinner. But I do find it kind of just more distracting or annoying to use on the Mini than I did using iOS 6. So I think that's a great point. And I'm sure that, you know, Johnny Ive apparently has some influence around there. And he's probably saying, come on, really, this is going to look so great on an iPad Mini. So let's make that happen. Or maybe the, maybe the iPad Mini will actually ship with iOS 6 instead. <laughs> I'm going to wow. go out on a limb here. I'm going to wow. call it. I'm going to say... There's going there's going to be a new iPad Mini. No, no, I'm going to I'm going to say there's going to be a new iPad Mini, and it is going to have a Retina display, and that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. 
Okay, good story. All right, well, I'll, I'm now going to make you go on a, on a limb on something else because you're TechHive's digital entertainment guy. Let's talk about iPods. What are those? Because Apple still makes these things, apparently. <laughs> exactly. Pod? But, John, what's happening with iPods? I mean, people still buying them. Will the classic live on, do you think? Are they going to change the form factor of the Nano? Are they? What are they going to do with the iPod Touch? Uh, well... Well, the classic live on, first of all, yes, because Apple doesn't have to do anything with it. Uh, it still it still sells. It's still the biggest capacity iPod you can get. And with, what is it now, 160 gigabytes still? Um, and the I was actually thinking that when the new iPhones came out, there would be a 128 gigabyte option like there are with the full-size iPads, and there wasn't. So... That leads me to believe that there's not going to be a 128 gig uh, iPad iPod Touch, so that's going to probably stay at the top of the list. There is the the large capacity thing if you need it, and it's great now that Apple offers Apple Care Plus for the iPod Classic because it is the only one that still uses a spinning hard drive, and you know one drop of that and you could be out uh, 40,000 songs in your pocket, or is it 60,000? I don't remember. Uh, so, so I think that I think that's going to stick around. I think the touch may see a refresh with some some of the new, you know, better camera, better processor, that kind of stuff. I just don't see Apple doing a whole lot with the Nano uh, or the Shuffle at this point. Those things just aren't really, you know, if you look at the numbers, you know, iPod iPod sales are, have been declining for a long time. And I just don't think Apple's going to put a whole lot of effort into that. Maybe some new colors, you know, maybe a little something for the holidays just to kind of get people excited again. Um, but I, I just can't really see Apple putting too much time into those, especially those lower-end models. Well, you know, I was going to... What do you think? I, w- I would have gone on record saying Apple was going to bump the iPod Touch until the right after the uh, iPhone 5S announcement, they added new colors and to the to the iPod line so the iPod touch and the um, and the iPod Nano and the iPod shuffle all inherited the new um, space gray color um, so that's right so yeah. it, it's almost as if Apple said oh by the way let's just do something to this and then forget about it for a while so I wouldn't be surprised if come next week the the iPod line gets nothing um, although it would be interesting to me if they did announce a 128 gigabyte version of the iPod Touch and then dropped the the iPod Classic. I've been saying for, gosh, has it been like five years now that <laughs> once Apple yeah. comes out with an iPod Touch with 128 gigabytes, the iPod Classic is dead. Uh, I mean, it's still not 160, but it's close enough. And I'm sure Apple would like to just cut down on the number of things that they're making. So uh, I would love to see that. Uh, and the iPod Touch. But that, that Classic's on autopilot yeah. now. I mean... You know, there's no, there's nothing, nothing involved. They just, they just churn some out and yeah, sell Yeah, but they got to, they still got to maintain you know, a factory to produce them. They have warranty parts and blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, the, the Apple's very much, let's, let's, let's whittle down our product line to the essentials. And so to me, it's always seemed odd that they've kept the classic around given how much infrastructure has to go around just keeping it on the shelves, right? So... I don't know. I, I could see that happening. And, and the iPod Touch is really, the, the most recent iPod Touch is still a pretty good little product. I mean, I've got one and I, and I love it. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost the iPhone without the phone. It just has a little bit older processor. But um, iOS 7 runs great on it. And I, I'm, I don't know that it needs a huge bump. 
Yeah, that's an interesting take that Apple just dig its toe into the dirt and wiggle it around and say, oh, uh, iPods, mm, nothing. <laughs> Everything's well, fine. I don't expect, even if uh, if there was something, I think it would be one of those snuck in yeah. press release types mm-hmm. of announcements. Next week, mm-hmm. they're not going to go up on stage talking about, you know, great new iPads and other stuff that we may talk about in a minute and then say, you know, and we've updated the iPod Touch, um, you know, we did Space Gray a few weeks ago, and now we've added Champagne Gold so that everyone can get a gold iOS device. And, you know, it, it's, it would be a, one of those things where you go onto Apple's website and you're like, oh, they released a press release. And They're just going to say that there are five iPod right. Touch Gold somewhere in the world. <laughs> and we're we're actually recording this podcast. We're all in a single bed together, foot right. to foot, or has so. You know, the only thing I think that would that that makes me lean towards them not doing a 128 gigabyte touch soon is that it, everyone who just bought a top of the line iPhone 5s would be ticked off that there was no 128 gigabyte version. Okay, well, let's go back to um, digital entertainment. And once again, John, so do you see this event? offering anything on the Apple TV front? You know, there, I mean, there's there was a lot of talk about there's going to be an Apple TV. And, and to, to clarify, we're talking about the set-top box, set-side box, not the television that uh, G right. Monster is having a fever dream about again. Um, so talking about that, you know, there was a lot of stuff around, oh, there was going to be a new one around the iPhone because somebody saw... A packing slip somewhere, and um, then that got pushed back. So I think you know what we saw was we saw a lot of software updates. We saw the um, the i Apple TV software update 6.0, which you wrote about, Chris. And you know there was some some improvements there with streaming from the AirPlay from the cloud, and Apple added a lot of new channels recently too. So you know I think they've they've done a bunch on the software side. On the hardware side, I don't know what the Apple TV really needs at the moment. I mean, an app store type of environment would be great, but I don't think that's ready or coming. I I don't expect we're going to see a new Apple TV uh, at this event necessarily. You know, the current the current one is getting kind of old, but it's still you know it's 1080p, it's relatively snappy and the software updates that get pushed out add a lot of these new features. So um, I haven't really been hearing anything about Apple TV. Again, they sort of all, the, all that chatter kind of died down once all the software updates and the new channels rolled out. So I don't really know what to expect next week, but I don't expect new hardware. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, as you say, it does 1080p, and that's pretty much everything anybody needs at this point. So I really do think it's about content. And where Apple has not been able to make the leap yet is to cutting the cable, that they do have things like HBO Go and this, that, and the other thing, but they all require that you already subscribe to these things in some other capacity, whether it's satellite or cable. So it's just a convenience feature rather than saying, guess what, you don't have to pay that cable or satellite bill anymore. Now you can just get a la carte programming, which I think is what we're all after. Do you think Apple could ever pursue that sort of arrangement and would the studios go for it uh, is apple pursuing that sort of arrangement sure i'm sure they're talking about it and i'm sure that they've been trying to, to convince studios and content providers and everything about that stuff but you know the 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 environment just isn't there yet you know 
there was a story yesterday, I believe, in, uh, about how in Canada the government actually is going to try to force the cable providers into offering a la carte programming. I thought, wow, that's a great idea. I sure wish they would do that here, but that's never going to happen here from, from that perspective because, uh, you know, the, the, the political will isn't there. Um, but I think that in order to get new in – or, in order to get something like this to happen, you do need people like Apple pushing for it. Um, and you may see a little bit here and there, but I just don't see that Apple is going to be able to convince HBO or convince, you know, NBC or, or any of these to say um, – I, we, we're going to rip up the entire way you do business that you've been fighting tooth and nail for a long time. This isn't the music industry. It's not the same as, you know, taking the, the music industry, kicking and streaming, <laughs> kicking and streaming. That's actually, <laughs> that, that, that's that actually, slip. That actually makes true. a lot of sense. Kicking and screaming into streaming or into digital music. And, you know, Apple was very successful with that, getting that to work. But TV is different. And, um, you know, I'm, I hope Apple can do something there, but I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. And I'm selling. I'm, I'm the naysayer today. I'm just I'm just poo pooing everything. Well, no, I think and I think we can wipe the the whole Apple real live television off. The, I know as much as Gene Munster would really really like this to happen, I don't get his enthusiasm for it honestly because I think Apple's model is you turn over your hardware every couple of years and with a television set you don't want to do that so why would Apple get into that business and people hold on to TVs a lot longer than they do a lot of other types it, of and hardware it's just also yeah. easier I know a Apple's whole idea is that you know the whole thing where you buy this box and this box and try to connect all of them to one I mean I know that that's the idea people are are glomming onto is that if someone would just make it easier so that it's all in one. But I think there's it's a much better business model to say, okay, everyone has a TV already or they're going to buy a TV from whatever they feel is the best company. Um, let's make the best thing to add on to, to get the content onto that TV. I think, I don't know, it just that that uh, that seems like much a better approach to it than trying to make the whole hog and because then you then you've got all the mm -hmm. you know the AV geek saying, well, I would buy this if it was really this panel and you know or this or this supplier of components or whatever. Uh, I, I say you just let people buy the TV they want and then you take over how to get stuff into it. Yeah, because at that point it's no longer the hobby that Apple keeps talking right. about with the right. Apple TV. You know, Apple would you know they would have to choose maybe three sizes of TV because. They're not going to offer 100 different sizes of TV. So they're going to have to pick like the three most common sizes of television. And if that doesn't fit into your lifestyle or your price, then, you know, that that's out. And the the features that are in the Apple TV can be updated just as easily as stuff that would be built into a television. I could see having some kind of motion control, having a camera built in the TV so you could do uh, video chat and everything like that, you know, in the living room. But, I mean, there would be some cool things that Apple could do, I'm sure, but I just don't know why Apple would ever want to get into that business. It's not a good business to be in. We'll be back with more from John and Dan after this word about Smile Software's PDF Pen Scan Plus. Smile just released a new app in their PDF Pen suite of PDF editing tools. PDF Pen Scan Plus lets you scan documents, articles, receipts, and more using your iPhone or iPad camera. 
PDF Pen Scan Plus includes OCR on the device with support for 16 languages. Once OCR has been performed, the text in the scan document can be copied and pasted into another document or the PDF can be exported with searchable text included. You can also open your scans in PDF Pen for iPad or PDF Pen for iPhone for further editing or you can share them via Dropbox, Evernote and other services for seamless editing on your Mac. PDF Pen Scan Plus is available on the App Store at the introductory price of $4.99. Check out the video demo by David Sparks to see all the powerful features packed into this indispensable tool at smilesoftware.com slash mwpodcast. Now back to John and Dan and the October 22nd event. I want to talk about something that... Apple, um, they used to do this sort of thing, and, and apparently they're going to do it again. And they've teased us with this computer. Remember, Apple makes those too. They teased us with this computer called the Mac Pro. So is this the event where they finally announce price and shipping? It, it seems to me it has thing? to be. I mean, they said this fall. I can't imagine them having a third event in the fall. I mean, I don't think Apple's ever done that, have they, where they've actually had three media events. Um I, they're either going to announce it that, as sort of in passing. Oh, by the way, we've got the Mac Pro. It's ready. Here's a video about it. Here's the here's when it's released. Blah blah blah. Or you know, given how niche the Mac Pro market is, maybe they just announce it in a press release. But it seems to me they've got to mention it on stage at some point. And it, and and I, so I'm going to say yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I I can picture Phil Schiller coming out and doing the song and dance again talking up the new Mac Pro because it is such a radically different design and it's the kind of product where, you know, it's been around, it's for pros, got pro in the name, and it's been languishing for years and years now and it doesn't even have the technologies that the current right. low-end, you know, Mac Mac Mini has. So, you know, I actually, before this, I actually just went, went to the website and looked at all the, the information on the Mac Pro again and it's this cool fly-out video as you see all the components inside. And it is really interesting, you know, tech tech stuff and cutting-edge stuff inside. And I think that they're going to have to do a quick walkthrough again and just remind people what it is they're doing, why they should be excited about it, and then say, and it's coming out, you know, November 2nd, and it's starting at twenty four ninety nine or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> but I, Good. Well, that was, what I, that was my next question, if anybody wanted to guess what they're charged for. Well, I, I just want to say that, I, you know, John Syracuse, who's a contributor to Macworld, has called the Mac Pro Apple's halo car. You know, the analogy being with old car companies that even if only like 10 people in the world buy it, each company needs this specialty car that shows what they're capable of. And I think the Mac Pro, besides being, you know, the Pro Mac, obviously, it is Apple's halo car. It's their this is what we can do when we put our minds to it. Um, this is this is a, 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 a an example of all the technology we can put together and make it beautiful and et cetera, et cetera. So, for that reason alone, I think it's going to get stage time. Um, as for your question, I, I you know when it originally came out, I said, wouldn't this be great if it was like twenty five hundred bucks or something? And uh, and Dan Warren and Jason Snow, we were doing a podcast, kind of laughed. They said, no way. And the more I think about it, the more I think they're right. I I really I can't see this thing starting out for less than three thousand or thirty five hundred. And right and right now, just to point out, right now the Mac Pro starts at. I believe twenty four ninety nine for the quad core Mac Pro is the is the entry point there. So I don't think I, I agree. It's not going to cost less than that. 
Well, I'm of the mind that this Mac Pro narrows the Pro market more than the previous one. So not only may the thing be expensive from the get-go, so just the starting price, but then you're going to have to add all these things to make it a truly pro machine. So lots of storage, and if it's internal, it's really expensive storage. RAM, possibly a monitor, and Thunderbolt accessories. So I don't see the prosumer jumping on this machine. Dan, is this the mini tower that you've been waiting for? Uh, you know, in, in theory it could be, but I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be priced out of that market. The the What you're referring to, obviously, is a, a lower-cost non-pro mini tower for those people who need a little more expandability than an iMac or a Mac mini, but they don't want to go all, all the way for a true pro machine. I, I don't think it is. It would. I think it, at some point, I think I've had, I'm going to have to give up on that dream. I think Apple is saying, nope, this, these, are our, these are our consumer machines. This is our pro machine. And never the twain shall meet. Um, but uh, I, the other thing about it is in terms of price, the processors alone that they're using in these in the new Mac Pro, I've seen estimates on the web that they just the processors are like thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars, and there's two of them. So mm. even if Apple's got you know Apple purchasing power, you, you're you're over two grand just for processors. Right, and then you've got the the hot graphics cards, right? Because and there are two of those, and then there's a whole bunch of ports well, in and there, the memory and, and the storage and. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's small, but I think it's really expensive. Small, but and and I'm not saying not for good reason. I don't think they're trying to gouge anybody, but um, I, I do think that those people who were sort of enthusiastic dabblers, who you know were serious in their hobby about photography or video or something like that, may look at this machine and just go, "Man, I just can't go that far." This really is for people who are pros, and budget makes very little to no difference to them. Yeah, if you're the kind of person where one of these is paid for by a single job that you do, like you're doing video editing or something like that or high-end photo stuff, you know, if you can pay for this from one job, then it's for you. I, I agree this is not a mid-level, you know, mini tower. This is not for people that say, I wish I had a little bit more. And Apple's kind of made it clear that, you know, you've got um, so much power in portables and iMacs and then you know you want extra stuff, you add it on. You got Thunderbolt ports, you need extra storage, you know you you just add it on, and that's and my and my guess is if customers and I mean not the vocal few, if if customers by the droves were really really asking for the the mini tower and something in between, then it would have appeared by now. That if it's something Apple customers desperately needed and were willing to spend money on that Apple wouldn't just say, yeah, well, you know, we don't do that. It's kind of gauche. So then is likely the reaction to be from people who like to criticize Apple, this is a failure because it doesn't sell in the tens and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of units? Oh, it'll be a, it'll be a failure for those people, yeah. It'll be a failure for most people who think Apple is doomed every time a new product comes out. You know, I'm not sure about that. I, I think that because Apple is positioning it as a pro machine, like a true pro machine for people who need pro level performance, I think there will be less criticism of bad, bad, relatively speaking to like an iMac, of bad sales numbers than, say, the Cube, which is what everyone likes to be likes to mm -hmm. you know, make the analogy here. Because the Cube was intended to be a consumer product; it wasn't a pro, a pro product. It was it was really intended for mass, you know, premium consumer market. And uh, I think Apple's made it clear that that's not what this product is. This is a pro machine. 
Okay, and then there's Mavericks. We're under NDA, so we can't talk about features that Apple hasn't yet discussed. But generally, from what we've learned from Apple, what kind of update is this? Is this kind of a big feature-rich thing, or is it mostly about under-the-hood changes? Well, it's. I think it's a little of both. It's a. They're adding a lot of under-the-hood features that make... For example, battery life better. They give developers more power to do things with their apps they couldn't do before. But there's also a lot of features. You know, Apple has their whole, their usual 200 plus new features that they that they'll put up on their site once Mavericks is actually live. Uh, and so there, I, I see it a lot like Mountain Lion, um, which is which is interesting because for a while we've had sort of the, you know, a huge massive overhaul and then like a smaller one the next year and you know in in a lot of the Apple's products, but this one seems to be more along the lines of lion to mountain lion than it does say. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I, I agree with that. And I feel like it, from what I've seen so far, it kind of is, it's like mountain lion two, you know, electric boogaloo. It, <laughs> it, it is not, you know, it, it doesn't look really different. You're not learning a whole new sort of metaphor for working with your computer. It's really, it's a really an incremental change, and it probably there's a lot. I think there's a lot more power under the hood, and a lot more stuff that makes it better to use than people will really notice in everyday use. Yeah, I think if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think probably Johnny Ive and his team were really busy on iOS because they came in late and they managed to do everything that that they did with iOS seven in a matter of maybe six months. So I don't think they had time to really get to OS 10. I suspect that the next time we see OS 10, whatever they're going to call it, Yosemite or Bakersfield or whatever, um, Stockton. That's where, yeah, we're going to see something radically different at that point. But I think mostly this is under the hood stuff. This, the features that they've talked about that are on the surface, they all seem attractive, but some of them sort of existed in another form in terms of tagging. Um, Finder tabs makes complete sense, but we've already seen that in in the browser. So it's like somebody said, "Ah, that would oh, let's do that in the Finder." Okay, done. Um, multi uh, monitor support was embarrassing before, and now it's reasonable, I think, from the descriptions. Um, so I don't see a lot of you know huge changes to the way we work, but rather some corrections like multiple monitors and other things that are sort of convenient but aren't necessarily going to compel people to jump in and, and get Mavericks because they need a specific. Uh, feature that happens to be new. No, but I do think it's going to be adopted pretty quickly precisely because of that and that Apple's made it really easy. Uh, You you know, Dan Moore and I talked about this in an article where we sort of debated if it's going to be free or $10 or $20. Uh, My take is it's going to be relatively inexpensive and Mountain Lion users are going to see like a notice that says there's an update available and Hey, look! There's Mavericks, and I think that Apple is going to try to make this pretty seamless for people to upgrade. Um, maybe even easier than with Mountain Lion or Lion, where you actually had to go, you know, search it out, find out about it, download it. <clears throat> it would be interesting if they actually used the the Mac App Store update, you know, notifications to say, "Hey, there's a new version of the OS around," like they do with iOS now. I, I will say that. You know, some of the features that Apple's talked about for Mavericks, again, are borrowed borrowed from iOS and iOS 7. And some of that stuff, I think, is actually the most, maybe the most useful. Uh, things like, um, you know, the software, way software update works or uh, bringing maps 
to the desktop as an app. Uh, although, you know, you'll probably still, if you use it, you'll be driving across a tarmac or into a lake. <laughs> but I, but I think it's a great, you know, that's a great idea. And the, the one thing, I'll just bring this up because there's been, there's a split about, you know, iBooks needs to be on the Mac because, you know, it's, it's ever, it's on my devices. And I, I think it's great that Apple puts iBooks on the Mac because, you know, maybe it'll get people to read more or easier to buy books or, or whatever it is. But, I can't imagine wanting to read anything on my computer, like a book, because that's what I have an iOS device for. That's what I use an iPad for. Um, and I'm just curious if uh, if people think, if anyone here thinks that that's something they would actually use. I think I could see it for education that if you were using eBooks um, as textbooks for school and you're already working in a browser or something like that, um, to be able to quickly move between an ebook on your computer and something else you're doing on your computer makes a lot of sense to me as a casual yeah. reading experience no but i so part of me thinks yes for education very useful um for even the kind of the work i do if i get a tech technical document that i can look at in ibooks and then use that with something else i'm doing that's great but um no i I think it's mostly somebody answering the complaint department where people said, well, I can download books to my Mac. Why can't I read them? Okay, now you can. Are you happy now? Well, actually, no, because I was always reading on, on my iPad anyway. But I'm glad. Thank you. So now I'll find something else to complain about. Well, I think you, you got it right with education because don't forget there are also all these schools around the country that have one-to-one -one programs or two-to-one programs where all the students have laptops and not necessarily iPads yet. So being able to distribute textbooks that way, I think, was a huge driver of Apple adding this to OS X. I don't know. I, I hope so, because I know that my daughter is now starting to use eBooks, and it would be great if she weren't going between devices to do that. So, um, yeah, I hope there's a big educational push on this. Um, another rumor just popped up recently, and that is about a new MacBook 12-inch with a Retina display, because apparently 13 inches is too big for Retina Display MacBooks. So any thoughts on this and why we would need such a thing? Do you mean MacBook Air? No. There's somebody saying it's a... They're not saying it's a Pro. They're not saying it's an Air. It's just a MacBook that's 12-inch with a Retina Display. So is Apple bringing in a new low-end MacBook? Because I don't know. I they mean, need one? They finally got rid of the MacBook line. Right. So where they're just down to Air and, and Pro. I can't see them cluttering it up again by adding a, a MacBook. I mean, maybe this rumor is just a little bit off base and it's actually a MacBook Air. Um, I don't know. Because people have been saying for how many years now they want a Retina MacBook Air. The rumors, you know, that, that what you're mentioning, the same stories are talking about several different products and they're all talking about sort of next year. And and so, you know, I, I, I'll take those with, with many grains of salt, um, including the, you know, well, there's a new iPad that's coming out now, but next year the real new iPad's going to come out with a super high retina, double retina. Um, you know, if you have 2010 vision, it'll be good for you. Uh, so, you know, I could see that, you know, you've got, so right now, let's see, you've got an 11 inch and 13 inch MacBook Air. You have the 13 inch uh, Retina Pro and the 15 inch, right? There's a 15 inch Retina right. also. Right. That sounds right. So, yeah, adding in another size there. I, I just, yeah, we talk about the simplicity and Apple trying to keep the product lineup, you know, relatively easy to figure out, unlike most other vendors out there. I don't really see a point in there unless it were like 
something if it were like an education thing where you know they can cannot purchase you know anything over 12 inches for class sizes for for a particular reason or if it fits really really well on a a tray table in an airplane they could sell millions of them to travelers or something like that but otherwise, yeah, why why would Apple want to muddy the waters with yet another size? I mean, if there? there's really 12-inch Retina displays out there in the wild for testing, I'd be I'd put more money on a 12-inch iPad, a larger iPad, than I would on Apple adding another screen size to their laptop line. Right. Well, you know though that the that the people who are um, that would be impolite to characterize as crazy. Uh, will say that uh, no, this is a completely new device. This is a MacBook that is has a touch screen, and that's why it's 12 inches because it was bigger, it would take up too much of this. And so what you can do is you can type on the thing, and you can touch on it just like you can an iPad. It's an all new product category, and it's disruptive technology. And um, I think that's nuts. But I think you're because I think before these events happen, there's always sort of this nuts rumor. In the past, it's been Apple's going to do a real TV. Maybe this is the nuts rumor for this time, that it's going to be a new, wholly different MacBook that's going to be touch-based, and it's that's going to signal the direction that Apple's going to go in the future. Because no other people are trying a touch-based laptop. And they've done so well. Uh, uh, yeah. Right now. And yes, and they, they've all done so well. Well, you know, there are all those surfaces out there that are not being used for anything. So maybe Apple bought them all and have, have refitted them with the Apple logo and, you know, hardware and software that actually works. And... No, probably not. Well, I, I think eventually we will see no. laptops with touchscreens. I think it's just the way it's the way of the future. Even whether they're decent or not, you know, that's another question. But I think that's going to happen. Although for the Mac, I think it's going to happen once the much lamented and rumored merging of iOS and OS ten happens. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's when it will make more sense for the Mac. When, sure. Well, and we've all seen people. You know, my kids do this all the time. They've Come, they've started to learn computing from the iPad and the iPhone. They're used to touching everything. And when I take out my computer and we're looking at something, they touch the screen and they expect it to do the same thing. And a lot of people are coming to computing, you know, laptops and the Mac in general. As we know, they're coming from iOS. They're coming in because of that, and they're used to working in a certain way. And you know, bringing some of the features over from iOS into macOS makes a lot of sense. But you take a person who's been using an iPad and give them a MacBook or a MacBook Air, and they don't know any better, they'll try to touch it. Oh, yeah. You know. Which, which yeah. Oh, I think it's a perfectly natural thing to do. And so I, I agree with Dan and, and you as well that it's um, – I think that day is coming, but not this day, as they say. In Wait, was someone ways. actually saying that this might be announced <laughs> next week? Oh well, yeah. I mean, it's sort of one of these. Oh, okay. So that is crazy. <laughs> no, it, it's no. It's a twenty. It's a twenty fourteen rumor because then it gives people a good what fifteen months to be wrong. Well, and also it means that we can be even more disappointed next week when it doesn't happen, and so we can say that Apple stopped innovating once again. I'm going to be disapp- I'm going to be disappointed when my Apple branded jetpack is not announced next week. <laughs> Oh, you didn't get yours already? Oh, no, Oops. I'm disappointed. Sorry, too. A- NDA. Sorry. All right. So, should the gods of accounting smile upon us, um, which of these alleged devices would you purchase? Well, if if I suddenly have an uh, an open ended expense report, then I guess I'd take a Mac Pro and buy the iPad Mini myself. Uh, but uh, in terms of, well, seriously though, I mean, I I would love to have a really fast new computer. I'm using an older Mac, iMac that I upgraded the innards on. So it's, it's, it's passable, but 
I mean, who doesn't want a fast computer? Um, but assuming the budget is a lot less free than that, which I expect to be the case, um, I would love to buy an iPad mini with a retina display. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the same thing. My, um, my Macs are actually relatively up to date and they're going to be good for a couple more years. So I use my iPad, my full-size iPad every day. I use it for reading, mostly for reading, but lots of magazines and uh, just checking stuff. And I use it a lot, especially in the evening, afternoon. And I really want something that's lighter and something that is a little bit better than the mini, than the, you know, the iPad 2 mini basically out there. So that's where I would be putting my money. Right. Well, I'm going to be holding out for that 12-inch Retina Display MacBook that is touch-based. And I'm really going to be mad if that doesn't happen. You're going to have so. plenty of time to save up, Chris. <laughs> yeah, put, put your money in a CD right now. Okay, well, I'll do that. And we'll know more on the 22nd when Apple, for the second time this fall, opens the floodgates. We're sure to have someone at the event live blogging it, and of course, we'll be providing all the details as we lay hands on any new products that are announced. Thanks, Dan, and thanks, John, for joining me. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. And that wraps up this episode of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by Smile Software and its PDF Pen Scan Plus. I'd like to thank John Seth, Dan Frakes, and of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. See you around.